So if you take Genesis 4 and 5 together, think of chapter 4 as leading you down a line to a dead end, to a Lamech who boasts about murder. And then think of chapter 5 as taking you down another line, another line of offspring, the offspring of Seth. And that also leads you to a Lamech who speaks. But the words that that Lamech say are words of hope. Hope in his son, Noah. That through Noah, maybe God will overturn the curse. But that's not how the chapter ends. The chapter doesn't end with Noah. It actually ends with Noah's offspring. Look at chapter 5, verse 32. After Noah was 500 years old, he starts having kids, which uh, of course would change uh, our projections on life a little bit uh, if you started at that age having children. But to 500 years old, Noah fathers Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So the whole Bible so far has really traced from Adam and Eve through Seth down to that Lamech to Noah to Shem, Ham, and Japheth. But then the author's going to kind of set them aside for just a minute here to try to give us a little bit of a picture of what the world is like in Noah's day. And it's not pretty. Now we might read some of this stuff in chapter 6 and have some questions. I've got some questions about what's in the first five verses of chapter 6. But uh, basically the main thing is things are not good. In fact, they're so bad, if you look at verse 3 of chapter 6, that the Lord says, My spirit shall not abide in or maybe strive with or contend with man forever because he's flesh. His days will be 120 years. So, so something bad is going on and God says, I'm not going to put up with this forever. Man's days are going to be 120 years. Now, now, it's a little bit unclear what that means. I mean, we read chapter 5 and boy, everybody's pretty old. It seems like living to be like 900 years old. So maybe this is like God's judgment and he's saying, you know what, I'm going to reduce the lifespan of man because they're so bad. Uh, or maybe this is worse than that. Maybe God is saying something like, things have gotten so bad, I'm giving them 120 years more, and it's all over. Uh, so we'll have to look and see, see what we think. But look at verse 5. This is really, Genesis 6, verse 5, this is really the picture of Noah's day. And it's terrible. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. I mean, I think of that. The world has become such a horrible place. Humanity is filled with evil. Their mind is set on evil all the time. And how does God feel about it? I mean, you notice how the text is describing the Lord was sorry that he had ever even made human beings. These creatures that he loved, that he made in his own image, He's looking at what they're doing, and he's sorry he ever made us. And it grieved him to his heart. You see, sin, wickedness, is not just like some violation of a rule, uh, of some like abstract uh, law or some deity that doesn't care about anything, that's just kind of out there somewhere. No, that's not the way the Bible's talking about this. 
man's sin, humanity's rebellion is personal. It's personal rebellion against a personal God who seems to be taking this really personally, right? I mean, this is grieving God to his heart to see what his creatures are doing, how evil they are, especially how violent they are toward one another. I mean, that's one of the big things uh, in this text is we're going to read on. But I want to see what God's response is to it. I mean, he's grieved about it, but God's not just grieved. He's going to do something about it. Look at verse 7. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven. That was the stuff in chapter 1 in creation. God says, I'm going to blot it all out. I'm going to wipe it all out. For I'm sorry that I have made them. Now, did you just grasp what God said? I mean, God is so grieved over what's happening in the world. His solution is, I'm going to blot everything and everyone off of the face of the earth. I mean, what, what do we do with that? Like, God's going to destroy everything? I mean, if he does that, that's the end of the story, right? I mean... Apparently that doesn't happen because there's more pages to this story. But, but I mean, if God does that, what happens to his promises? Right? I mean, God, God promised to raise up offspring from the woman who would crush the serpent's head and take us back to the way things used to be. But if God wipes everything and every offspring of the woman out, what happens to his promises? And what's the deal with that? Oh, but what about that guy? What about that guy, Lamech, and what he said about that little boy, Noah? Where, where's he in all of this? Look at verse 8 of chapter 6. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Which, by the way, it might be a good idea to pay attention uh, to that line in Genesis. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. That's like Enoch, that guy who was not. (laughs) He walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, filled with violence. God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in it. And then God starts giving all these instructions. And basically God says, Noah, look, I'm going to wipe everything out on the face of the earth. But you need to build a boat, a big one. And you got to do it now. And it's got to be like this. Because I'm only going to save you, your family, those with you in the ark. I'll bring animals, some of every kind of animal with you into the boat and I'm going to send a flood on this earth and it's going to destroy everyone and everything. Now I want you to stop and think about that. Apparently by this point it had never rained before. That's not how God had been watering the land. And, and Noah is supposed to build a huge boat. It's going to change his life. He's going to spend decades building a boat. For what? 
because of the promise of God and the promise of judgment. I mean, would you, would you do it? Would you radically change your life after 500 years of living? Just change everything? I mean, imagine what people would have thought about him. I mean, now, and then I want you to think what God commands Noah and what God commanded Adam. I mean, think of that. And then think about the world that those guys lived in. I mean, God gives Adam one command. Don't eat from the one tree. You can have everything else. And Adam has everything going for him, right? I mean, he's in a perfect world. God is dwelling with him in the garden. He's got a helper with him. Everything is beautiful. And he's only got one command. But then Noah, he's got crazy commands, comparatively speaking. I mean, things that wouldn't make any sense in the world around him what do we just find out is horrible everybody is thinking evil all the time and who do you think would obey adam in the garden or noah in this world with these kinds of commands and that's what i want you to say look at chapter 6 verse 22 the last verse of chapter 6 noah did this he did all that God commanded him. He did it all. He built the boat, changed his life, did everything that God said in a horrible, horrible world with nothing going for him other than the promise of God that God would save him if he trusted him and did what he said and built the boat. And then in chapter 7, the Lord said to Noah, get into the ark, you and all your household. And verse 5, and Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. He's now 600 years old and he has done everything. He's in the boat. His family's in the boat. His three sons and their wives, Noah's wife. So there's eight people in all in the boat with the animals, some from every kind of animal. And they're in the boat just as God had commanded And then God opens the windows of heaven and pours down water. He opens the springs of the earth and causes water to come up and down on the land. And the waters rise and rise and rise until the text says that the waters high above every mountain on the earth. And and in the early on, God shuts the door to the boat shuts Noah and his family in to keep them safe from the judgment of the waters. And verse 17 of chapter 7, the flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark. It rose high above the earth, prevailed. And I want you to see verse 21 of chapter 7. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Verse 22, Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. Verse 23, God blotted out every living thing. They were blotted out. And of verse 23, only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. I mean, this is unbelievable. God completely destroys everyone and everything 
except for Noah and the seven other people with him and those animals that are inside the ark. And what do you see about God in the flood? This is a God who knows how to judge. God is a God who not only is grieved by the sins of the people that he's made, he is a God who knows how to bring down justice on the heads of the wicked. And when he judges, it comes down like a flood and it overwhelms people and destroys them. But God is a God who knows how to save, who knows how to save those who will trust him. Because God saved Noah and his family out of all the people on the earth. Because he's not just a God who judges. No, in the midst of judgment, we have a God who loves to show mercy to those who will just trust him.